With the holiday season ramping up now that we're in December, I want you guys to consider Indochino Custom Menswear. It's the perfect gift for the husband, son, brother, or any special guy in your life that you really want to blow the doors off this Christmas. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and everything else, and it's made to your exact measurements for a great fit. And it's really nice that the process is super simple. You just choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. The package will be delivered straight to your door in just two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or you can do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is always free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse this holiday season to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Blue Wire. The San Diego Chargers select Joey Bosa. Oh, here comes Bosa! The Los Angeles Chargers select Derwin James. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 40-40 of the Powder Blue Review Podcast. I am your host, Michael Peterson. As always, please follow me on Twitter at ZoneTracks. That's spelled Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. We have the podcast Twitter handle as well. That's at PB Review Podcast. And if you haven't checked it out yet, go on over to SBNationsBoltsFromTheBlue.com. That is SB Nation's Los Angeles Chargers blog doing a lot of good work there i do a handful of weekly pieces please go check it out show the site some love guys we get to experience Minshew mania this weekend the chargers travel to jacksonville a game i am lucky enough to attend actually because i live in uh, savannah georgia right now which is two hours straight due north of jacksonville so i'm super stoked to be able to see the chargers in person at least once this season and to be totally honest i'm Super pumped about getting to play the Jaguars with Minshew at the helm and not having to go watch boring old Nick Foles throw the game. Yes, this means that the Jaguars probably have a better chance of beating the Chargers on Sunday, but I really don't care. I'm going to go with my wife and my brother and his wife, and we're going to have a hell of a time. I'm really excited about it. You guys should be too. Uh, It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be an interesting game. Minshew is uh, 500, batting 500 for his uh, career right now. He's 4-4 as a starter of the Jaguars. Has played really good football, though. You know, lost some close games, lost some tough games to to games like the the Saints. Um, But he shows a spark, and he makes that team almost play better, almost willing them to victory sometimes. And it just seems like... The Jaguars weren't that way for Nick Foles. Honestly, Nick Foles came back, and I think the team was just super bummed. I think there wasn't probably a single person that was happy or for the idea that Nick Foles should have got the starting job right when he came back from his injury. But what can you do? Today's show, as always, guys, we're going to go over both teams, kind of how they fared throughout the season up to this point. Uh, We're going to go over three things to watch, uh, at least the three things I'll be watching for the closest against the Jaguars on Sunday and go over what I have so far 
for the uh, injury report. And I am recording this on Thursday to have it up for Friday morning listening. So I will only have uh, the injury report up till Thursday. So without further ado, guys, let's get into the show. The 4-8 and eight Chargers take on the 4-8 and eight Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. And God, I, as much as I wish to look at this as, oh, the Chargers play a 4-8 and eight team, you know, they're more than likely going to win this one. It's going to be a walk in the park. Well, that hasn't been the kind of season that it's been. So it doesn't matter who the team's playing, whether they were a winless team to, in week five, you know, against the Denver Broncos, whether it was the Denver Broncos again at three and eight while the Chargers were four and seven this past Sunday. It just doesn't matter who the Chargers play more than likely. The exact opposite outcome that you'd expect to happen is probably going to happen. Looking at the team's uh, so far this season, how they fared, uh, as always, we kind of start with the Chargers. We're looking at Phillip Rivers is sitting with 3,434 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, and 15 interceptions. Luckily, and again, it ended in a loss, but Rivers played a cleaner game than he has been. Still has thrown eight interceptions over the last three games, still sitting with almost as many interceptions as he does total touchdowns. Melvin Gordon currently leads the team in rushing now with 120 carries for 468 yards and four touchdowns. Um, he's also chipped in 20 catches through the air for 123 more yards and a score. Austin Eckler, he has been as dynamic as ever. Uh, he's definitely taken a seat, a back seat in the rushing department. He's only sitting with 104 carries for 380 yards and three touchdowns, but obviously receiving is where he makes his biggest mark. He is currently second on the team still with 69 catches, but third on the team with 718 receiving yards and seven scores. Big kudos to Austin Eckler. Um, he has almost actually, I think, what is that? 718 plus 380. He is two yards shy of 1,100 yards from scrimmage, and he already has double-digit touchdowns with 10. So congratulations to Austin Eckler. He's going to be a great part of this offense, hopefully for the foreseeable future, at least, you know, the Chargers fans hope so. Keenan Allen leads the team in both categories, catching uh, catches, pardon me, with 76, 864 receiving yards, and five touchdowns. Those are second on the team behind Eckler. Mike Williams, 38 catches for 778 yards, still has not found the end zone. And that has got to be the biggest surprise and most mysterious thing about this Chargers offense. How does Mike Williams, a guy who had 10 receiving touchdowns, 11 total touchdowns a year before, have zero through the first 13 weeks of the season? I don't know. I don't know, man. I know he's had some opportunities, but it seems like ever since the Detroit Lions game where he dropped two, I mean, he didn't really drop them, but uh, he didn't come down with two uh, fade routes that he was so good at in 2018, I honestly don't remember the last time they've thrown him a ball in the end zone. I don't remember the last time they've schemed him open in the end zone. I did an article uh, this past offseason where I went over all of Mike Williams' 10 receiving touchdowns and kind of showed you they had the same way of doing it each time they would do uh they would line them out wide with another receiver kind of bunched together and they would run pick routes and just kind of like misdirection type stuff to get him open and at least get him the leverage he needs to get up and over smaller defensive backs I haven't seen any of that but that probably has something to do with the lack of identity in the red zone which is something we'll talk about later um but that's just a whole other issue with this team uh, moving on, Hunter Henry, 41 catches for 497 yards and three touchdowns. 
Defensively for the Chargers, Thomas Davis still leads the team in tackles by a rather large margin. He is sitting at number one with 96 total tackles, has a sack on the season. Second on the team is Joey Bosa still with 51. So he has 45 less tackles than Davis, and he's second on the team. 51 total tackles. He has eight and a half sacks still. Unfortunately, was not able to get to uh, Drew Locke this past Sunday. So eight and a half for Bosa. Uh, Tranquil rounds up the top three with 50, Denzel Perryman 49, and then King and Rayshon Jenkins both have 44 tackles, Jenkins being the uh, team leader in interceptions with three up to this point, Casey Hayward is second with two. Uh, Heading over to the other team, Gardner Minshew, through eight uh, starts, 10 games total, Uh, he has 2,432 Passing yards, 14 touchdowns to just five interceptions. He's also chipped in 243 rushing yards on the ground. That 14 to 5, 14 to 5, pardon me, touchdown interception ratio is something. Uh, Nick Foles, through his four starts this season, um, including the game where he did get hurt, he has three touchdowns to two interceptions. There is such a lack of productivity with this Jaguars offense when Nick Foles is at the helm, which is why obviously Minshew got the nod to uh, become a starter again going into this Sunday against the Chargers. So look for just some clean play from Minshew, honestly, unless this defense and offensive uh, defensive line, pardon me, can get some pressure on Minshew and attack this offensive line that isn't too good for the Jaguars either. Um, it might be a long day for Minshew, for being honest. I know he kind of struggles with some defensive lines, which is why he struggled so much against the uh, New Orleans Saints with Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, and that front seven really got out to the quarterback. Hopefully, Gus Bradley can kind of take a few notes out of Sean Payton's book and uh, deliver the same type of performance. So, uh, Leonard Fournette at one point was the leading rusher in the NFC, or the AFC, pardon me. I'm not sure if he still is at the moment, but he's sitting at 989 yards and three touchdowns. And the most surprising stat about Fournette is he's turned into a much better receiving back. And he's been dumped off, uh, or been catching dump off passes quite a bit this season. He's at 65 catches, which you look at and actually, holy cow, it's only four less than Austin Eckler. And remember, Austin Eckler has been catching passes, you know, left, right, all day, every day uh, since the season began. But um, Fournette really has just been catching passes and then not really doing too much with it. Uh, he has four less catches than Eckler, 69 to 65, but he has almost 300 yards receiving less than Eckler, 718 for Eckler and only 444 for Fournette. That's a lot of fours in that sentence. And uh, he hasn't found the end zone at all. Zero touchdowns receiving. Their lead receiver is DJ Chark. He's a second uh Second-year receiver out of LSU. He leads the team in catches and receiving yards and touchdowns with 58 catches for 881 and 8 scores. Chris Conley is second on the team uh, yardage-wise with 625 on 37 catches. He has two touchdowns. And D.D. Westbrook, 49 catches, which is second, third on the team, pardon me, uh, 544 yards and two touchdowns. Defensively, they're kind of evened out everywhere. They don't have one guy kind of leading the pack by a, a large margin like Thomas Davis does the Chargers. Miles Jack is their leading tackler with 66. He does have an interception on the year. Gerard Wilson, a safety, second on the team with 55 tackles and an interception. Rodney Harrison, a second-year safety out of Alabama, third on the team with 54 tackles and two interceptions. 
And then All-Pro, uh, former All-Pro corner, A.J. Bouye, 53 total tackles, one interception. And then most notable guys along the off, our defensive line are Calais Campbell and rookie Josh Allen. Campbell has 46 total stops and five and a half sacks, while Allen leads the team in sacks with nine, has 34 total tackles. And those nine sacks are actually a rookie franchise record and also lead all rookies in sacks this season. Good for Allen. That's a player, man. Um they got uh, Josh Allen in the first and then Jawan Taylor in the second. And if you guys have been following the draft or follow the draft much last season, Jawan Taylor was, for the most part, a consensus first-round pick and, and a borderline top 10 pick. People thought he was arguably the top tackle in the draft, depending on who you talk to, him or Jonah Williams um, or Cody Ford. But they got him at the start of the second. So um, he, he's made some strides, but Jawan Taylor has been just kind of a, a middle-of-the-road guy through the first couple, or through, excuse me, through his first season. But Allen's been that dude for the Jaguars. Hell of a player, 6'5", I believe, 260. I actually met his defensive coordinator at Kentucky, came into uh, my place of work one night. We got to chatting for a while, um, who I believe is now the linebackers coach for the Kansas City Chiefs, but great dude. And, he had, and, and this was the same guy that coached Aaron Donald at Pittsburgh. And he said, Josh Allen made the same decision to come back for his senior year that Aaron Donald did. And Josh Allen had a kid um, before his senior year at Kentucky. And his coach said that once Allen had that kid, you could just see the changes starting to happen. Um, he knew exactly what he needed to do, and he was nothing was going to stop him from achieving what he wanted to accomplish. And they both were obviously phenomenal players. Aaron Donald was who he was in college who he is in the NFL, and Josh Allen, I think, had, God, I think he had like 18 and a half sacks his senior year at Kentucky. The dude is an absolute animal, top pick, obviously. I think he was seventh overall this past year in the draft. Quite the player. Super, 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 super player. It's officially December, and that means it's the holiday season, which means gifts. If you're looking for a great gift for someone in your life, consider Harry's Razors. It's awesome. It's practical, and it's very thoughtful. It's not dull, and it's not a cliche like socks, wallets, or ties. And also, listeners of this show can get $5 off any Harry's Shave set by heading to harrys.com slash bluewire with free shipping that ends on December 16th, so you have to act now. It's a great deal for you and for him. Holiday sets start at just $20, and that's well within Secret Santa limits. And Harry's blade refills are as low as $2 each, so your guy will save money over time. It comes ready to gift in a handsome holiday gift box, and your gift always gives back. 1% of each sale will be donated to charitable organizations. As a special offer for fans of the show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com slash bluewire, plus you're getting free shipping. Each Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted handle with options to engrave, five blade razor cartridges, a foaming shave gel for a rich lather, a travel cover to protect your blades, and packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Free shipping ends on December 16th. So again, act now. Just go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. With the holiday rush here, you have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders? Decide which carrier to use, or if you're getting the best rates. Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door, and delivered in time for the holidays. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS. 
so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation, enter code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. All right, going on to the, what do we have here? The injury report for this week so far. So again, I only have up through Thursday, be it Thursday that I am recording this. Um, fairly clean injury report, which is fantastic. It seems like this team has had such uh, a busy, busy injury report. Guys coming on and off every single week. This is probably the smallest I've ever seen it. Uh, on the list so far, you've got Nick Zubner with a concussion designation. He was limited on Wednesday, full today on Thursday. Mike Williams with a knee thing. He was limited both Wednesday and Thursday. Russell O'Kung, a groin injury. is a full participant both days this week. Sam Tevy, knee injury, full participant both uh, days. And Thomas Davis was on the injury report for Thursday as it did not participate, but that is just him getting his uh, veteran off day of the week. Looking at Jacksonville's uh, injury report, you've got DJ Chark and Chris Conley, both hit their top wide receivers, both limited on Wednesday and Thursday. AJ Bouye, DJ Hayden, Trey Herndon, all three cornerbacks. Um, Bouye was limited and then full. Hayden and Herndon are both limited through Wednesday and Thursday. Linebacker Donald Payne, limited and full participant Wednesday, Thursday, respectively. D.D. Westbrook was uh, did not participate Wednesday or Thursday due to a personal issue. Nothing else listed besides that. Ronnie Harrison is concussed, did not participate Wednesday or Thursday. He's in danger of not playing. Brandon Linder, I believe he's their center. Knee injury, did not participate on Wednesday, but was a limited participant on Thursday. Seth DeValve, tight end, oblique injury, did not participate this week at all. And then Calais Campbell, back injury, didn't participate on Wednesday, was a limited participant on Thursday. So just some little takeaways from there. DJ Shark being limited, Chris Conley being limited. Um, things to look out for, maybe if one of them can't go, that would be huge. Didi Westbrook being a non-participant, uh, Due to personal reasons, I mean, that might mean he could come back almost right away um, if whatever this issue is gets solved. Uh, so that's not something I'm really looking into too much. What I will look at is Ronnie Harrison being concussed and possibly not playing. That would be a huge plus for the Chargers offense to not have to deal with him. He has been phenomenal in his second year out of Alabama. Finishing up this week's episode, we've got my three things to watch for against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And there's nothing too complicated about these, um, pretty straightforward. So number one is simply cannot succumb to Minshew mania. This team cannot succumb to playing against a guy who has a lot of hype behind him, right? A guy who's you know done some good things, but hasn't absolutely blown the doors off anybody, right? He's four and four uh, so far in his career in his eight uh, first eight career starts. Minshew's got some. He's got some. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's got some chutzpah, if that's if you guys understand what I'm saying. Like he's just got it, right? He's got the clutch gene. People believe in him. People want to believe in him, even when he does stuff that would leave normal people, you know, untrustworthy. Leave people to uh, not want to put their faith in this person, that person. He he just continuously exudes the type of like I don't know grace, confidence, the aura that kind of 
pull people into him, right? And I'm sure you guys have kind of seen this, the way that the Jaguars absolutely fell into and leaned into the hype, the mustache mania, the Minshew mania, and everything that he has been. The Chargers can't get wrapped up in that, right? Um, This is a guy who was a sixth-round rookie quarterback out of Washington State University. He was an air raid quarterback, so he knows how to throw it, but he is a gamer. He is an absolute gamer without being the most physically demanding, intimidating person in the entire world, especially at his position. He just gets the job done. And the Chargers need to remember that they are a good defense. They have phenomenal defensive players. And it's just a six-round rookie quarterback. Get the job done against the guy that you're supposed to get the job done on. That's all I'm going to say about that. Number two for my three things is simply how the Chargers offensive line is going to play against Jacksonville's defensive line or aka Saxonville. Now, a couple years ago, this Jaguars defense was amazing. It's when they coined the term Saxonville with guys like Calais Campbell, uh, Yannick Ngakwe. They ended up getting Marcel Darius, I believe that was the year. Um, They had Dante Fowler still at the time. It was a good defensive line. Now, through the first what is this, 13 weeks of the season, your leading sack getters on the Jacksonville Jaguars are Josh Allen as a rookie, nine sacks. I already talked about that. Yannick Ngakwe has six, and Calais Campbell has five and a half. So your top three sack getters have combined for 20, what is this math, 20 and a half sacks, okay? Not too shabby. Normally, and those numbers are down for the most part compared to past production from these guys, especially Calais Campbell only sitting at five and a half. But you know, the Chargers offensive line is healthy right now, aside from Pouncey, at least in terms of the starting offensive line that was last season. They unfortunately did not look that good against the Denver Broncos, who were missing Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. Literally, their two best pass rushers did not play against the Chargers, and they still had problems stopping the pass rush. Russell Okung did not look good. I'm glad he's back. Put a lot of money in the guy. He is this team's franchise left tackle, but he did not look good. I think he had two holding penalties, allowed way too much pressure on Phillip Rivers. This is tough. It's going to be a tough matchup, but unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess depending on how you look at it, they play up or down to the uh, quality of the opponent. So all of a sudden, you know, the Green Bay Packers had a phenomenal duo of edge rushers in Zadarius and Preston Smith, and they didn't do jack against the Chargers, and they played probably their cleanest game of the entire season. In this game, I could see the Chargers offensive line doing something similar. Just out of the blue, because it's a good defensive line, the Chargers just buck up and are like, all right, cool, we're not going to allow any pressures. We're not going to allow any sacks. We're going to let a clean pocket for Phillip Rivers all game. God, I wish that is, I just hope that's exactly what's going to happen. Because obviously we saw against the Denver Broncos that Rivers is almost to the point like he's point shaving, right? Like you guys know what I'm talking about, about the play where... Uh, He was looking downfield, sitting in the pocket. Yeah, it was probably getting close to a coverage sack. But he literally tucked the ball, put his hand on the backside of one of his offensive linemen, and then just kind of slowly went down. Gave up. No sticking in there and delivering a pass with someone in your face. No, he didn't even have an idea of throwing it away at the time. He didn't care. F it, right? He just didn't care. Throw it away, Rivers. And then obviously put them out of field goal range where Michael Badgley um, 
missed a 55 yarder and that probably was would have been a 49 yarder or less were Rivers not to have taken that sack right before it's just tough uh that's going to be the biggest thing I'm gonna be looking for actually it's probably going to be this offensive line against uh that defensive line for Jacksonville uh, they're four and eight but that defensive line is definitely not a four and eight defensive line thirdly I just want to see if this team can find some sort of red zone identity because they have not looked good in the red zone pretty much all season. They looked good against the Green Bay Packers. They found a way. They haven't looked nearly, obviously, I mean, obviously they haven't looked as good as, as 2018. I talked about earlier in the podcast that, you know, every week I talk about it. Mike Williams has zero touchdowns. He has zero touchdowns. For a guy that is 6'4", and his specialty is the jump ball, I, I honestly feel like they stopped. I cannot remember the last time they tried to throw a fade, back shoulder, anything to Mike Williams in the end zone. It's not like they've played a bunch of terribly intimidating, really good corners lately. Mike Williams is still Mike Williams. He can make those 50 yards catches each game with someone draped over him, but you're going to throw him a five-yard pass and he can't seem to get to it. You guys can't seem to scheme him open to have some sort of an advantage on a smaller defensive back in the end zone. It's crazy. The team needs to find their identity in the red zone, whether it's scheming up the right run, whether it's scheming up the right pass to the the wide receiver with the best chance, which, again, has always been Mike Williams. They need something. They need something. I don't know, guys, but they just look lost. They've had no problem at all this season moving between the 20s, right? Moving between the 20s has been phenomenal. Even in that game against the Green Bay Packers, up and down, up and down, up and down that field. Cleanly, smoothly, without effort. Get to the end zone, get to the red zone, and just literally it is like someone just flipped the switch off. Right? I don't know. They need to find some sort of identity in the red zone, and hopefully they can do it against this defense. All right, that about does it, guys, for this week's episode, this week's second episode. Uh, really appreciate you guys as always coming out. Um, I also apologize if I'm look, I'm sounding a little rough right now, a uh, little under the weather at the moment. Life is a little stressful at the moment, actually moving across the country in about a month and a half. Um, just not feeling 100%, but I got to get this out to you guys. I love doing this for you guys. I love the support, and I love all the feel-good things you guys have to say about this podcast. So as always, guys, don't be afraid to reach out to me, Twitter anything whatsoever, slide in my DMs, tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like. Um, Let's start a dialogue. Hopefully here soon we can get to talking about more draft stuff and draft prospects, especially if this season continues to spiral and spiral out of control. But guys, this has been the Powder Blue Review. Um, Please go ahead and follow me on Twitter at ZoneTracks. That's Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. Twitter podcast handle at Podcast. And the boltsfromtheblue.com, guys, go check it out. Go check it out. There's a lot of cool stuff going on over there. we got a good group of writers. And I always appreciate any and all sort of support with any of that. Pardon me, fumbling over my words as I try to speak clearly with this sore throat. So, as always, guys, I really do appreciate it. This has been Michael Peterson with the Powder Blue Review. I will see you guys next week.